In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord. Amen. As I watch things going on in the United States, I wonder how long it will be until parents stop giving their children names. As you may have heard, some parents refuse to tell their child that he is a boy or she is a girl. They insist on their child deciding his gender. Until then, their child is genderless. And why? They refuse to use their authority over their children to tell their child who he is. They want to give their child as much autonomy as possible and not impose some thing on them. So, I will not be surprised if such parents take the next step and refuse to name their children until they're old enough to pick their own name. You see, not only are people rejecting and fighting against the authorities over them, they're also rejecting and abdicating their own authority. Apparently, they do not want to be responsible for things, animals, and other people because if anything bad happened... Well, they could be blamed for it. We see in Genesis 2, though, that man is given charge over and responsibility over all the animals. Now, such responsibility is expressed by his authority to name these animals. Whatever he names them, that became their name. Uh, This, of course, continues today as people name newly discovered animals, new breeds of animals, and their pets. Uh, Such naming happens because we do have authority over whatever or whoever we name. In Genesis 3, Adam, who was named by God, names his wife Eve. He exercises his headship to give her a name. Now such headship is also shown in the creation of man and woman in Genesis 2. Adam is made out of the dust of the earth and endowed with God's breath. Then Eve is built from Adam's rib. From his flesh and bones, she is put together. She is created out of or for or from man. And Paul sums this order of creation up in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, where he says, man is the image and glory of God. But woman is the glory of man. For man was not made from woman, but woman from man. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. Now from this, Paul notes the headship of man, as well as the headship of God and Jesus. Paul writes, but I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. The head of a wife is her husband. And the head of Christ is God. 1 Corinthians 11. This headship role, Paul further explains in Ephesians as one of love and sacrifice. That is, the man is to sacrifice of himself for the sake of his wife. But in 1 Corinthians, Paul doesn't stop here. He stresses that even though the man has the role of headship, 
That does not make the man independent of woman. Whereas God can exist without man, man's existence is not apart from woman. Paul goes on to explain. Nevertheless, in the Lord, woman is not independent of man, nor man of woman. For as woman was made from man, so man is now born of woman. And all things are from God. Man may have been made first and separate from the woman's creation, but his creation and design was not without the woman in mind, nor apart from her creation. Not only does man need woman to procreate, Genesis 2.18 notes that it is not good for man to be alone. We're not independent and self-sufficient. We need companionship. We need other people. And as God intended in creation, man and woman are counterparts, complementary opposites, each one with his own strength. Their different roles complement each other. Yet because of sin, we see that these different roles can be frustrating. We can be frustrated because someone isn't fulfilling their role. Or we can be frustrated because the other does not see things the way I see it. The diversity that God created between man and woman is meant to be a strength. Each one complementing the other. But we turn it into a battle over who is right. God blessed man with a woman to help him function better in this world to help him consider a fuller picture as he exercises his authority to be his counterpart. Now, to be clear, this does not make her a slave. The word for helper in Genesis 2.18 is used not only of woman here, most of the time it is actually used of God. Psalm 33.20 says, our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. Same word. Psalm 115 echoes this saying of God three times. He is their help and their shield. Again, the same word. In Psalm 70 verse 5, the psalmist declares, But I am poor and needy. Hasten to me, O God. You are my help and my deliverer. Oh, Lord, do not delay. Again, the same word. God is not our slave, but he freely and willingly becomes our helper, assisting us in our need and lack. You can see clearly from this that woman is fulfilling a godly and divine role too. So whereas the man is charged with the divine role of authority in this world, woman is given a place where she gets to freely offer her help and assistance to man. As God freely gives and helps us out, so the woman is placed in a position to freely do the same for man. She volunteers to serve and help. Now, this beautiful complementary order has been corrupted and ruined by sin in this world. We see in our gospel text that both marriage and the fruit of marriage were being devalued in Jesus' day. As such has been happening in numerous ways in our society. But not only this, man and woman have been pitted against each other. 
Men complain about all women and, and women complain about all men. It's like a competition where you get lambasted if you're on the wrong side. This recurrent battle of the sexes and assertions that one sex is better than the other has even resulted in a denial of differences or that one can easily become the other. It has created confusion for kids about who they are and what their own value and role is. All this is the seed of our own sin. Our pride, our arrogance, our selfishness, our mistreatment of others. This seed sprouts and grows into death. That is, it brings forth separation from God and one another. It brings isolation. Man was not meant to live alone, but our sin has unraveled the goodness that God intended for you and me. Our sin destroys community. And God answers our destruction of community with each other by coming down into our world to live among us in our flesh. As the reading from Hebrews details, Jesus was made a little lower than the angels, coming in humility to die for you and me. He came into our messed up world to save you, to make you part of his family, to reclaim you as his brothers and sisters. He identified himself with us. He cares for you and me. He was mindful of his creation that has rebelled against him. He was not going to forget about us. Instead, he did everything to restore his creation, to restore you. He willingly suffered for you. He willingly came as our help. He died on the cross. He tasted death for everyone. And he rose to make you holy and perfect. He conquered to deliver you from death and reunite you with him and with one another. He made peace so that you could live as the creatures he made you to be. As man or woman, blessed, redeemed, holy, and living in harmony with one another. For in baptism, he has rebuilt you to be bone of his bone and flesh of his perfect flesh. You are a new creation now in his righteous image once again. He shares his flesh with you and his table. So live at peace with one another. Rejoice in your differences and in your different roles. Value one another. And wherever such harmony is lacking, our Lord is working to reconcile you and bring you back together as his people. Wherever your sin divides you from others, seek forgiveness. For he is freely giving out forgiveness for you. He is a God of peace and reconciliation and he has acted for you. And now the peace of God which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. 
the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.